0: Haley, guess what? What? It's another wine month. This month, the month of June, is Idaho Wine and also Cider Month. Um, So with that, let's dive in and see what Idaho has to offer. I'm Haley. This is Ashley.
1: We are Whole Cluster Conversation.
0: start at the beginning with the first grapes in Idaho. What variety were they and where did they go? Where were they planted? Yeah, I think we'll
1: talk a lot about kind of the history um, and leading up to why we celebrate Idaho Wine Month. Um, but the what I found was an Idaho Statesman article referenced a Royal Muscadine planting in Vineyard, uh, sorry, in Lewiston. Mm-mm. And The article was written in 1865, but they were discussing the fact that the vineyard had survived the winter well, and so it was planted the previous year in 1864. So Royal Muscadine up in the Lewiston area in 1864 was the first planting that we have, uh, like, stamped, like, it's in an article. (laughs) We know for sure.
0: I've never heard of that variety, so I'm going to have to check that out. So it's a um,
1: muscadine, is a muscadine, um, is a ver, uh, American uh, vitis labrusca ver, variety, okay. I believe. Um, I should have, I should know that for sure. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure about the royal, um, part of that, uh, if it's, huh. yeah, if it's a different variety or, That's just what they were being called instead of plain muscadine.
0: And you mentioned that that was up in Lewiston, northern Idaho, that that was planted. Yes. It's kind of interesting. Yeah.
1: That's where, so we call it the banana belt of Idaho. It's kind of that Mm -hmm. Lewiston up to... um, Along the Snake River up to um, Riggins area, where you can have okay. winter weather, but typically it's going to be a much warmer uh, spot in the state than almost everywhere else because it's just in this nice canyon where you're going to have upriver winds in the afternoon that bring in kind of warmer weather from the coast, and mm-hmm. yeah, so a great great place. Still still have winter season like where everything goes dormant, but it's not going to be, it's going to be, you know, 10 to 20 degrees warmer than it is up in the the hills and the mountains.
0: Cool. That's interesting. I had always thought of it just more of Southern Idaho, Snake River Valley. Right. But I mean, the Snake River goes up there. I just mm-hmm. had assumed once you hit Hell's Canyon, it kind of petered out. But that's really cool to know. Um, <laughs> after, after, so we have, you know, that happening in 1865. And then kind of, You know, I think the next big thing that I saw was, you know, yeah, it was booming, things were happening, but then like everywhere else, you know, prohibition happened, right? Right. Um, Was there anything before in the interim there that you wanted to to discuss? Um, I do
1: believe there were um, some wineries that were, I don't know what the word would have been, pre-prohibition I don't think the TTB okay. was formed and I don't think it was a bonded winery necessarily but there were okay. wineries in the state particularly I, I read um Louis de Sol and Robert Schleicher maybe um and those they were two French guys uh, and a German uh immigrant Jacob Schaefer had planted grapes in Idaho um and they were making wine and winning awards. When they took their oh. wines around the country uh, and shared them at, at different, um, uh, probably state fairs and wine competitions. Um, and then you were right, Prohibition 1919. But actually, I read that in Idaho, Prohibition, the state began Prohibition in 1916. Oh. So actually a couple years before the, the country, the, the state of Idaho had already started Prohibition. And so wine really became not a good thing to be producing.
0: <laughs> Idaho cracks me up because they started Prohibition early. But another fun fact about Idaho, if you didn't know, they were one of the last states, I believe with Wisconsin, where at the same time, the last two states to change their drinking age mm-hmm. to 21. Right. Uh, which is like... I know it was a funny place in the I '80s. I Anyways. think it was the '80s, wasn't it? The early '80s, maybe,
1: or maybe late '70s. Maybe it was late the 70s. '70s, yeah. '80s, yeah. yeah.
0: I know that. So I feel like it was my aunt or somebody was like in the middle of that, where they like turned 18, and then you know there were people yeah. that that happened to, and they they you know? couldn't anyway, or 19, I guess mm-hmm. it was. Ugh,
1: no. That's so crazy.
0: Anyway, so that's just kind of funny to me that you know that fun little. Alcohol history of Idaho? Yeah. Yeah. I guess then... So, yeah,
1: Prohibition ended in 1933, just so we're clear on kind of our little bit of our timeline for people listening.
0: Yeah, and then for me, at least, it felt like there was just this kind of, like, long lull of, like, Mm -hmm. nothing happening. It was like all this stuff was happening, Prohibition kind of then nothing happened until the 70s. Is that correct? That's pretty much correct. I think there
1: were a couple wineries that were created. Um, uh, I found one in 1935 called Garden of Eves. Um, oh,
0: okay, I'm nice not name. sure.
1: Yeah, it's um, Gregory Eves and maybe his family were operating it. I believe that was uh-huh. in the Sunny Slope area, but I'm I'm not sure. And then okay. it wasn't until 1972 a second bonded winery in Idaho at the time located in Troy, Idaho, so up near the U of I. Um, so even uh, past Lewiston. Um, and they mm-hmm. were growing hybrid grapes, but also sourcing grapes from other vineyards in the area. So
0: Okay.
1: And Probably then, the Washington side, maybe? Maybe, yeah. But I think mm-hmm. the thing that I've found is a lot of winery or uh, winemakers, um, even if they're not... Uh, business not a bonded winery if they're wanting to make wine like a hobby winemaker they'll make wine out of um table grapes so if they have friends that have a bunch of table grapes they'll buy those and make wine out of them um okay so yeah and then in 1975 really close to where you grew up Saint Chapelle finally opened.
0: Yeah, (laughs) you want to take that and run with it? (laughs) Talk about. I mean, I, I know that that I actually learned about that when I was reading a Idaho geology book, and it mentioned Saint Chapelle in the geology book, um, and how uh, I, I mean. When I read that, I had assumed that they were kind of the first big winery right. or the first winery. but well, um, I think so it they was were kind of interesting third
1: to, at the third. At the time, they were number three in the state. So that's, yeah, pretty much.
0: Oh, my gosh. I know that they're like the state's largest one. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do know them for their boxed wine that they, their do, but they do. soft Huckleberry uh, that you can find at most. I think they it's sold at most
1: Walmarts in the West.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Beautiful vineyard, I will say. Lots of really cool, um, yeah, views. And they're kind of chapely whatever area. Like, their their main tasting room is, uh-huh. is, is really gorgeous. I so, think that's what um,
1: Ch- chapelle means in French, is chapel. Oh, but maybe chapel. I'm wrong. I didn't take French, so that's why I always butcher when we talk about wine-related French words. <laughs>
0: yeah. But in my... Mo- in my non-educated opinion on this, <laughs> I will say, um, I really think that that whole San Chapelle really propelled a lot of that region um, yeah. because that region was really, uh, it was where a lot of orchards were mm-hmm. that have now slowly a lot of those orchards have switched with, you know, dare I say, but climate change and the changing temperatures and also the change in uh, economic of like, hey, we can make more money. Why are we competing with the, you know, like Washington Apple industry when we can be growing vines? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that whole sunny slope area where Shan Chappelle is located has really boomed and I'm just going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. But for me, what was really interesting was that in 1999, that the Idaho Department of Agriculture, like, pushed a big thing of planting 656 acres of grapes across the state. And then I, because, you know, I left the state in early 2000s, um, and went to college and all that stuff. And so, you know, I come back and visit, but haven't lived there. And so I know that when I go back, I'm always like, what is happening here? These things have changed. And so Mm -hmm. it was really interesting to me to see, you know, from 99 and then into the early 2000s, where that's when a lot of AVAs got uh, established. Um, Boise State and a bunch of the other things really started recognizing the economic impact that mm-hmm. this that the wine industry had and then you're seeing up to today all of that so yeah. i know that i just kind of Jump the gun with no, a lot of that, that's but um, I—that's—it's all kind of to me gets back to you know the 1975 in San Chapelle, like locating right there in the middle of Sunny Slope, right? Um, I think, and then just really propelling everything, right? I think you made it,
1: you hit the nail on the head, which is the Sims family mm-hmm. um, decided. You know, I think we they all were pro- know them. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think they probably were growing grapes. I would guess the diversification included table grapes and wine grapes. And they decided, okay, well, if we're growing wine grapes, we can sell those wine grapes to other wineries, but really we can make a better profit if we make the wine and then sell the wine, as long as we can get through that initial investment of setting up the the, uh, the chain of winery, making wine, sitting on things, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that's that's my assumption. I did not read that anywhere. I have not interviewed um, yeah. any of the Sims family about that in particular and why they decided to start making wine in the 70s. But, um, but yeah, I think that at that point, once the Sims showed that you can make a, a good profit and make really mm-hmm. good wine in the area, then other people did start to say, oh, okay, then it, it makes sense if we have this crop growing, we can then... Make the end product, and um, yeah. have a better return on our investment. And I think you're seeing that more and more in the Northwest. People that have owned vineyards for a long time, all of a sudden, they're like, "Well, maybe I should be selling the wine too. We not just yeah. selling the grapes."
0: Yeah. Well, and like I said, that region was very like orchard. Like there were yes. tons of orchards, and I still I is, don't want. But- I don't want to like credit or whatever. um, I think the economics of it really played in, especially with the boom of the Washington apple industry and a lot of these smaller farms that were in Idaho, Mm -hmm. smaller orchards, by the standard of against Goliath or whatever, Yeah, (laughs) that they just realized, like, hey, we got to pivot and Mm -hmm. we can pivot to wine grapes and really see that profit because it's either that or trying to fight, you know, against these huge fruit industries. Right. Completely. I think, so so
1: I'm not sure, but I believe when St. Chappelle opened, they were the third winery in the state. Not 100% sure about that. Um, So that was 1975. And then mm-hmm. I just want for, for people to understand the growth in the Idaho wine industry. So in 2002, <laughs> there Many are, years later. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years later, there are only 11 wineries in the state. Yeah. Today, we have over 70. So between—so yeah. in, so in 30 years, the wine industry added f- five, six, seven wineries. Mm-hmm. And then in the last 20 years, we've added 60
0: Um, And Idaho's a big state. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. like, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, I mean, it's not like we're saying, oh, there's 11 wineries in Rhode Island that's this tiny little state. (laughs) But like, yeah, there's, it's a, I mean, I think that there was a lot to do with, yeah, just the topography of Idaho too and certain areas of Idaho's not Mm -hmm. as conducive. Completely. um, We have a ton of public lands. So there's, you know, that's less areas to,
1: farm and stuff. I do think so thinking about the history of this, I was really wondering mm-hmm. um, how many homesteaders, especially because our hist- our story is so intertwined with Idaho rivers, how many homesteaders in kind of those river canyons were growing, Grapes, because I know a lot of them mm-hmm. were. You still can see the grapevines when you go um, yeah. on river trips. But what type of grapes were they? Probably table mm-hmm. grapes or um, type yeah. of grapes that you would make raisins out of so that you could have them all winter long. Um, but you know that people were making wine. Like alcohol is something yeah. that people find a way to get or make even during prohibition. So, <laughs> yeah. so I really wish that there is more. I, don't, I am not a historian. I don't know how to do that kind of research, but I would love to see that kind of research because I think that people were making wine in the back country of Idaho, even when it says that wine wasn't really being made.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just, I think it was more about, especially in those early 2000s, getting the Economics. So then, people would probably like say, "Hey, this is something I'm going to move from my small production into something larger." Oh, and, yeah. You know, move up from California. <laughs> let's be honest, um, to Idaho to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we have a couple wineries that have done that,
1: or or people that have decided yeah. to open wineries um, that in that way. For sure. So yeah. I know that you really uh, you kind of dove into. Idaho Wine Month wine and Cider Month and yeah. uh, especially like Saver Idaho. So take that away. Mm-hmm. What is Saver Idaho? What is Idaho and Cider Month? <laughs> Idaho Wine and Cider
0: Month. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I have all the answers no, to that. No. But um I I was just more because looking around and trying to find the Idaho Wine Month info, I kept running into Saver Idaho, which I believe this year is gonna be. Well, so the, you know, the month is the whole month of June, 2022. Right. Um, and then I saw that there was Savor Idaho and Boise that's happening mm-hmm. on June 12th. And so the other thing that I thought was kind of cool, because I, I kept running into kind of past articles about Idaho mm-hmm. Wine Month and the Savor Idaho. And I was just kind of, I thought it was cool how Idaho pivoted during COVID and did the passport to go and really trying to feature people getting out and going to different wineries and like kind of collecting stamps and, you know, looking and looking for different things um, and getting outside of their normal places to go as part of uh, the the wine month. And so that was just something I thought was a cool, cool idea. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like this revolutionary, crazy idea, but it was, (laughs) You know, like you see that with the National Park Service and stuff, right. like having right. the little passports. But I really like that. And
1: um, I think that I think- the great thing was the Idaho Wine Commission helped organize it as well. Like it's, yeah. that's one of the really great things about having a central uh, group or agency that helps promote an industry is that they can take like, okay, so we have 70 wineries in the state. If all of them want to do something, they all are like, well, I don't like that color blue for the cover of the passport. And it's like, well, <laughs> let's get, can we just agree on something? Like, so having somebody yeah. take take the reins and say, we're doing this passport program. If you'd like to participate, let us know. And then they just handle all the details means mm-hmm. that we actually are able to work together as an industry way more than if we were trying to do it on a um, everybody come to the table and we'll we'll move forward with all of our ideas basis. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, and you know what's cool about it being kind of still small, only having, I shouldn't say only, but having 70 versus like you think of California, the beast. There's probably 70 in like a 15 square mile radius (laughs) there. But um, that's probably an overstatement. But what I like too is, that at the back of like the the brochure that came out for about this year's thing was like something about almost every single winery like you can yeah. feature like with seventy you can still like highlight people without like like you can highlight everyone and give everyone kind of that equal footings of sorts That's so true. that was kind of cool to see that it's it's still small enough that you can really see everyone right so. Um, I just looked up really fast because I don't I don't know how
1: many, off the top of my head, how many wineries are in California. 4,700 is what Google says. <laughs> Over 4,700. Yeah. So there, yeah. there you go. It's a lot.
0: Just a few more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So what is, you know, unless you had more on the Saver Idaho event, I just kind of wanted no. to say like, you know, go on to like, okay, so we kind of talked about the history and this event and... You know, the wine commission, as the wine commission's kind of, you know, forming and well not forming, but like, you know, doing marketing, yeah. promoting Idaho. Like, what are some things that Idaho is known for and they're they're yeah. they're kind of trying the message that they're trying to get out, you know? We
1: talked a little bit uh when we talked about Oregon Wine Month, we talked about how for Pino a while, <laughs> yeah, for a while everybody was really pushing the Pinot, like Oregon. And Pinot are the thing. And Pinot grows great in Oregon. And Pinot is what we can do really well. And then I think, I don't know when it was, but I, I think probably 10 to 15 years ago, they really said, oh, shoot, we we grow way more than Pinot. And we want people to drink and know that we gr- we make other great wines. So um, I don't think the Idaho industry has really hung their hat on our particular variety, but I do think they have hung their hat on our agricultural heritage as a state okay. and the agricultural, um, the great agricultural climate that we have for grapes in okay. particular. So if you go to the Idaho Wine Commission's website, they talk a lot about the climate and how wonderful it is for growing grapes, how the soils are really conducive, especially the snake. You know, they they go through the geology of the Snake River Valley area mm-hmm. and um, ancient Lake Idaho, things like that. So I think that if we hang our hat on that and we compare ourselves to other regions... That's what mm-hmm. we're becoming known for. The fact that we have this arid climate with a big diurnal shift, which means, you know, during the day we could be 105 degrees, but it's going to cool down to 65 at night. That's a 40 degree swing almost every day during the summer that we get. Uh, and that yeah. really helps develop uh, sugars and acids that are in balance in a in a grape variety. We also mm-hmm. have other kind of funky things that go on in our soils, but um, all of them are... Uh, Creating really interesting terroir, if you believe in terroir, mm. and differences in even between how we grow or what the kind of grapes that we grow and how they taste and the chemistry they have in, um, let's say, Caldwell, versus if you drive three and a half hours away in Walla Walla. So very similar mm. climates, but they're different enough that they're mm. they are distinct as well, even when they get into the bottle.
0: We should talk about that sometime because I was just thinking about, (laughs) yeah, the geology of all of it. So let's, yeah, let's talk about that. and Terroir?
1: Well, just Idaho geology and and
0: how that plays into the wine industry. Um, I think Uh, that would be really awesome because I think it's... Geology? I thought this was a wine podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but it's so, it's, It's I mean, again, that's... With that being said, it does not shock me that I learned about San chapelle in my roadside yeah, geography or geology of Idaho book. Right, right. <laughs> like,
1: um, that and all the wine industry Santa. has done a great job of talking about how different geologies affect wine. Mm. And it does. For I mean, sure. there are people that think terroir is just this hoax. I mean, it, depending on how far you take it, you can make that argument. But really... What is in a soil ends up in a plant and can end up mm-hmm. in the fruit, and then that fruit is made into wine. So for sure, I think that it's
0: just like what you eat. Yeah, makes what you become. Yeah, <laughs> if you, you eat kale you eat. or if you eat McDonald's hamburgers, you become different types of people. Yes, yes. Your <laughs> okay, that was a bad analogy. Sorry, people. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, so Haley, what's next for the Idaho wine industry? That's a great question. As we wrap this up. (laughs) Yeah. I think that the Idaho
1: wine industry is still booming and growing. I think it will continue to grow. Um, As we have talked about off the podcast, there's um, a lot Mm -hmm. of growth and change going on in this area. The Boise, Treasure Valley, well, all of Idaho really. Um, Mm -hmm. It started happening before COVID, but COVID really did push it Further, because um, so much remote work was possible, so a lot of people said, "Where, where is close, close enough mm-hmm. that I can get to my office if I need to have an in-person meeting, whether that's flying or driving?" Um, but it's affordable, and at that, uh, along with many other areas, I'm not saying Idaho is a uh, an outlier here. But um, so I think that there's going to be some industry change regarding that growth, trying to work with all these new residential areas, but also um, be able to have a thriving wine industry as well.
0: Cool. you want to wrap it up?
1: Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening in. Uh, we're always excited to talk with you about cool places that grow grapes and make wine. I think that we just decided terroir might be on our list of things to discuss in the future. But if there's something you think we've missed about the Idaho wine industry or something you'd love to hear us discuss on the podcast, let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Whole Cluster Conversation and on Instagram also at Whole Cluster Conversation. And you can always reach us at Conversation at gmail.com. Have a great week.
0: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation. Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer, Audio production provided by our friend, Ukiah Bogle.
1: Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen.
0: Ciao.